Church, we are here to praise the only one who is worthy of our praise. And today is the first Sunday of, of Advent. Advent means coming. And it's during this time of year that we uh, celebrate what it is that Christ makes possible for us, the hope and the joy and the love and the peace that God extends to us through Jesus. So as we celebrate Advent, as we participate in Advent, as we approach uh, Christmas, we look back and we remember uh, God's plan to save. And we celebrate the birth of a Savior, and then we anticipate the return of that Savior uh, as King. And for our four Sundays of Advent this year, beginning today, we're going to be in John's Gospel. We'll be uh, in the opening of that Gospel, John chapter 1. So let me invite you to open the Scriptures with me uh, this morning to John uh, chapter 1. In John's approach to the uh, to the nativity story, his approach to uh, the gospel is a bit unique among the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. For uh, John wants us to know, he wants his readers to know, uh, that the beginning of this story, the beginning of this uh, gospel story, doesn't just begin with the birth of a Jewish baby uh, in Bethlehem. And so to speak of uh, Christ's coming, his appearing, His arriving is quite appropriate for, according to John, uh, this one uh, already was before he showed up in this way. That concept is a bit odd to us. It's a bit strange to us. I don't think it's totally foreign to us. Uh, uh, For example, this morning, the sun came up over Birmingham. We didn't see it this morning because of the dense uh, fog that had uh, covered this area, but the sun came up doesn't mean that the sun uh, just began to shine. It was already shining. It was already existent, but its light shone forth. So John is not going to say, he's not saying, the scriptures don't say that uh, something very significant, that something new doesn't take place in the birth of a Savior. It certainly does, but this is not the beginning of the Son of God. So what does John mean by this. Well, let's look at it together. Let's look at what uh, this first century Galilean follower of Jesus, this apostle, this evangelist uh, means by this. So uh, let's look at John chapter one. As you find your place there, let me invite you to join me standing for the reading of God's word. John one verses one through five, the scriptures uh, read this way. John writes, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God And the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. Let's bow in prayer. And Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you for being a God who has spoken to us. Lord, guide us now by the presence, the power of your spirit that we might understand these truths and begin to apply them to our lives as your people. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, church, you may be seated. So the opening words of of John's gospel, this is uh, weighty stuff. (laughs) This is heavy stuff theologically. This is not uh, McDonald's dollar menu type of stuff. This is... Uh, five guys, double cheeseburger, fully loaded, large fries type of stuff. You know what uh, I'm talking about. 
So right away in John's gospel, he takes us all the way back to the beginning. He takes us back to the first book of the Bible. There's some echoes here of the very first chapter of God's word. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. John tells us, in the beginning was the word. Some other themes that carry over. The word of God, light, life, all found in both Genesis chapter 1 and John chapter 1. And then throughout much of the rest of John's gospel. But who or what is this word? And again, John is referring back to the idea of the word in the Hebrew scriptures in the Old Testament. The scriptures available to God's people at that time. The word of God in the scriptures is his speech. It's his communication. It's his self-expression. It's his revelation. And his word always is effective. It always accomplishes the purpose that he sends it to do. And so now John says that this word was with God in the beginning and uh, this word created all things. So who or what is this, this word, this personification of the word of God? Well, he gives us a hint later in the chapter. He tells us more clearly in John chapter 1, verse 14. He writes, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He says, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came From the Father, full of grace and truth. So the Word of God, according to John, according to the Scriptures, is uh, the Son of God. Jesus Christ is the Word of God. Again, this is uh, somewhat difficult uh, stuff if we're not used to to talking this way or reading this way. Even if we are, this is uh, sort of a strange concept to us, but not a totally uh, unreasonable uh, concept by any means. For just as the scriptures, just as the written word of God reveals uh, the character and the will of God, the scriptures are saying, so does Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ reveals the will and the character of God. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, the Son of God and Savior of the world is the self-expression of God. He is the ultimate self-disclosure of God. Jesus is the Word. And John locates this Word in the very beginning. He goes all the way back. So when he thinks about uh, the Gospel, he can't help but go all the way back to the very beginning. He locates the Word in the beginning, meaning that the Son of God is not a creature. The Son of God was not created. We sang this already this morning, that He was begotten, not created he wasn't created because he is the creator. He is God. Jesus Christ is God. The scriptures declare that Jesus Christ is God. In the beginning was God. Nothing else. No flowers, no bugs, no people, no plants, no planets. In the beginning was was God. Only God. The scriptures teach that he is the God who is three in one. He's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God in three persons enjoying perfect harmony and love and intimacy within this Godhead from eternity past. This is mind-baffling stuff. Stuff that we can hardly even begin to, to comprehend. Begin to think like that and begin to think and, and grapple with that truth. Our, our heads begin to spin. It's because we are finite. And He is infinite. He alone is God. So what does it mean for our understanding of Jesus? 
that Jesus is God. Well, according to John, it means that he has always been. The Son has always existed. The Son of God, S-O-N, the Son has always existed. In the beginning was the Word. Several months ago, I knew that my daughter was grappling with some of these truths on a surface level when she began to ask me this question or some version of it uh, over a period of days and a number of times. She'd say something like this, Daddy, if, if Jesus is God, how could Jesus be born? If Jesus is God, how could Jesus be born? That, that doesn't line up. That doesn't match up. That doesn't make sense. And uh, I said, good question, uh, baby. When you grow up and you understand this, when you figure it all out, you let me know. I don't have a very good answer for that. But I know according to the scriptures that God decided to send his son, that he took on human flesh in order to save us from our sins. He is the fullness of God in human flesh. Paul says it this way in Colossians chapter 1, verse 17. He is before all things. He's before all things and in him all things hold together. The coming, the arriving, the appearing of God. He's the revelation of God personified. The Son of God has always existed and the Son has always related to the Father. According to the Scriptures, the Son of God is always related to the Father. He's always been in relationship with the Father. We could add to that the Spirit. Verse 1, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. There's a relationship that's already taken place. Even though He's God, even though He's the fullness of God in human flesh when He comes to dwell among us, even though the Son is God, the totality of God, John is saying, is not uh, totally in the Son. There's a Father, a Son, and a Spirit. Perfect harmony, three in one, Trinitarian God. Once again, this is baffling. We cannot hardly begin to even comprehend this truth. Billy Graham says that at one point in his uh, preaching uh, ministry, he found himself in a period of doubting. He would get up to preach, and he said that as he was preaching, he began to wonder if he really believed the things that he was reading and, and saying. So he took a retreat to the Sierra Nevada mountains in California, and he took his, his Bible with him and he, he says that he got up in the mountains and he got down on his knees and he held his Bible in his hand and he, he said, Father, I, I don't understand all the things in this book. Intellectually, it's not all lining up for me. He said, but I accept by faith that it is authoritative. It is the living word of the only God. And church, likewise, may we be a people who accept the word of God in faith because of who he is. He alone is God. He is our maker. He's God who cares for us. He's the sovereign king. He is one who loves us. So let's take him at his word. His word says that the son of God has always existed and the son of God is always related to the father and that the son is fully divine. The son is fully Divine, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was God. Again, Paul says it this way in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God. The image of the invisible God. 
course, he's the invisible God made visible for us to see. He is God. And because he is God, church, we must bow before him. So let's bow before Jesus. Let's be a people who bow before Jesus. I don't think if we believe these truths, if we believe the word of God, this must be more than a head nod or cute little curtsy. This is full surrender and obedience. This is submission and reverence and recognition of the greatness of the one who has come to us in order to save us from our sins. I think this means that there's really no room for casual talk about Jesus without hearts that long to surrender to Him. But in other words, there's no room for claiming the label Christian if Christ has no bearing on the way that we spend our time or what consumes our thoughts or the way that we rear our children or the way that we treat our spouse. Bowing before Jesus definitely means certain things for us. It definitely means repenting of sin and trusting in Him for salvation. It definitely means reading His His Word regularly. It definitely means a desire to obey Him. It definitely means sacrificial giving for His glory. It definitely means gathering regularly with His people. It definitely means conversations about His grace with the lost. But for each one of us specifically, it probably means some other things as well depending on our circumstances. For some, bowing before Jesus likely means saying no to some good things in order to more fully surrender and serve Him. For for some, bowing before Jesus may uh, mean saying no to the promotion. It may mean saying uh, no to the travel team from time to time. It may mean saying no to the next guy's trip. It may mean Say no to the next Netflix series. It may mean say no to some things, some good things, in order to more fully pursue Christ. To engage in some activities that recognize that He is supreme, that He is sovereign, that He is Lord, and that He is deserving of our lives. The Scriptures say that He is before all things, so He must be. He must be before all things in our lives as well. You see, Jesus has always been and He will always be God. So let's be people who bow before Him. He is God. Jesus Christ is God. And through Jesus, God has spoken. According to the Scriptures, according to John chapter 1, verse 3, through Jesus, God has spoken. Verse 3, through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has has been made according to the Bible. God carries out, the Father carries out His creative work, His creative activity through the Son. How does this work? In what ways does He do this? Well, I think in at least three ways. Firstly, through creation. God has spoken through creation. Son has spoken through creation. Christ has spoken through creation. The psalmist writes, Psalm 19, verse 1, The heavens declare the glory of God The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Creation speaks of its Maker. Romans chapter 1, verse 20, Paul writes, he says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature 
have been clearly seen, because, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. God has spoken. He's spoken to creation. He's declared who He is to a great extent through what He has, has made. And the elders of John's vision in Revelation chapter 4, verse 11, make clear who it is who is, is creating, who it is who has created. They declare that it's Jesus, the Son of God, our Savior, who sits on the throne, the King of kings and Lord of lords. They bow before Him. They say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. And by your will, they were created and have their being. Supposedly, Charles Darwin's final uh, letter, just a few weeks prior to his death, uh, said something to the effect that he was convinced uh, that eventually scientists would propose that all living creatures uh, originated from non-living matter through natural processes. Of course, we know that uh, many scientists have made that claim and say something to the effect that give us enough time uh, and we'll explain everything. Church, I want you to know that the Bible declares, the Word of God declares, creation itself declares that there is a Creator who stands outside of time. That He existed in the very beginning before time was ever counted and He is the one who made all things. He is the creator of life. And we now know him as Jesus. Christ Jesus is the agent through which God created. It's God who creates. Through Jesus, God has spoken. How so? Through through creation. Secondly, through the scriptures. Through the scriptures. The scriptures reveal God's standard and his story. His creation itself displays the power of God. The scriptures, the written word of God, reveals the plans of, of God. The psalmist continues in Psalm 19 after highlighting the significance of creation. The heavens declaring the glory of God, the skies proclaiming the work of his hands. He goes on to say in verse 7 of Psalm 19, The law of the Lord is perfect. Refreshing the soul, the statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple, the precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart, the commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. All of these words, law, statutes, precepts, commands, all tied to the Word of God, the written, revealed Word of of God. From time to time I hear somebody say something to the effect that uh, I accept the red letters. I, I, I accept what Jesus said, sort of meaning by that. I, I have a little bit of doubt about the rest of, of the Scriptures. Because I want you to know that according to the Scriptures themselves, to a great extent, all of them are red letters. They all find their origin. They all find their source. They all find their author in Jesus Christ, the Son of God and Savior of the world. They are from Him. We are called to obey Him and to respond to Him, to follow after Him, for His Word always accomplishes the Word. It always accomplishes the purpose for which He sends it. God says in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11, He says, So is my Word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Just as God's spoken Word and His written Word accomplishes the purpose for which He sends it, His 
incarnated word, Jesus Christ also has accomplished and is accomplishing and will accomplish the purpose for which he sent him. Through Jesus, God has spoken. He's spoken through creation, through the scriptures, and finally through the incarnation. Through the incarnation. Incarnation means in the flesh. In the flesh. Describing the supernatural act whereby the Son of God, the eternal Son of God, takes on a complete human nature, the fullness of God and and human flesh. Through creation, God has spoken indirectly. Through the Scriptures, He's spoken directly. And through the Incarnation, through His Son, He has spoken personally to us. The author of Hebrews recognizes and recounts and records the significance of this final revelation of God. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things and through whom also He made the universe. See, through Jesus, God has spoken. He's spoken clearly in all His speaking ultimately is an act of love. He speaks out of love for us to be known by us. So let's listen to him. Let's listen to Jesus. Let's just be a people who listen to Jesus, who long to hear from him, to know what he has to say, and to enter into relationship with him. Kent Hughes, who is a respected uh, preacher, retired pastor of, of College Church in Wheaton, Illinois, Uh, has written this. He says, ever since man's creation, in other words, ever since man was created, ever since man's creation, Christ has sought to communicate with him in love. Ever since man's creation, Christ has sought to communicate with him in, in love. Ever since we were created, Christ has longed to communicate with us. He has sought to communicate with us, to show us his love and to direct us in the way of knowing him. Through Jesus, God speaks powerfully. He speaks purposefully and he speaks personally. Let's listen to him that we might know him. Church, let's listen to him that we might serve him. Let's listen to him that we might find life in him for all life originates from Jesus. Scriptures declare here that all life originates from Jesus. John chapter 1 verse 4, in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. See, in the remainder of, of John's gospel, he's, he uses the word for life. He speaks of life more than 35 times. He wants his readers to know. He wants us to know that true life is found in knowing Jesus. All life originates from Jesus. Physical life, for God creates through Jesus. Spiritual life, for we are made alive with Christ through faith in Him. And eternal life, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. All life originates from Jesus. Physical life, spiritual life, eternal life, and finally abundant life here and now. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, who also said, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Abundant life here and now because we know that we are right with God through Jesus Christ. 
that we have peace with Him, that we have the hope of eternity, that we have joy that can only be explained by His Spirit living and residing in us. All life originates from Jesus, so receive the life Jesus gives. Friend, receive the life Jesus gives. Receive the gift that He offers you and me. For the truth is, many don't. Many reject Him. That's what's meant here in John chapter 1 by darkness. It wasn't recognized, wasn't received. Receive the life Jesus gives because He has come. And He comes offering life to whosoever will believe. To receive spiritual life, eternal life, abundant life here and now. The Word of God has come. Jesus has come revealing God's love for us. Jesus reveals God's love for us. He reveals God's love for us. So friend, receive His love. Celebrate His love. Let's live and walk in His love today and forevermore. And Father, we bow before You this morning acknowledging that You are a great and mighty God who speaks to us. But You speak to us because You love us. You speak to us through creation. You speak to us through the written word, and you speak to us through the word made flesh. Lord, fix our eyes on him. And may our lives reflect the greatness and the grace of Jesus Christ. Father, guide us to respond always to Christ in a way that glorifies him. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.